Welcome to the Matea Murdo podcast, where we're delving into all things United Nations, the family, and politics. Let's go. to the podcast. Thank you for your patience on this. We skipped an entire week. If you've been following over on Instagram at the Matea Murda podcast, you would have seen that I was moving and I had no capacity with my job and, and saying goodbye to people and moving that I could actually put out a podcast. So I apologize. I'm so sorry for not being able to connect with you last week. However, we are back. We're able to be back in our rhythm, our flow, and so we'll be able to be consistent yet again. So thank you again for your patience. I hate not being able to do what I do and do it well. And so missing a whole week was like chaos in my brain, but nonetheless, you have all been so supportive. And as you saw on Instagram, I decided this week we are going to do a QA and a because there were so many questions coming in. And one thing I think is so valuable that we really do miss out on as a generation is taking the time to learn from others. And one of the ways that I love learning is through people's stories. Even psychologically, looking at the data that comes out with regards to how people learn best, oftentimes people learn by hearing a story and grabbing specific elements from it or certain points that they go, oh, like I, I relate to that and I am going to make that mental shift because of what I've heard other people have done in that season of life or in that situation or in that mental space and I'm going to make that conscious decision when I'm in that point. I'm going to shift. And so that is something that I love. That's something that's really great about us as human beings that we can learn from others. And especially from a young age, I just remember one of my teachers saying, learn from other people who are older than you. Learn from other people in general. Read about other people's life stories because if you can avoid making stupid mistakes, avoid making stupid mistakes. So this is me trying to help you avoid stupid mistakes, but also just responding to your questions. So I hope you enjoy. First question coming in on Instagram was, what are you enjoying most about this season of life? I love this season of life. It is very full. It is very fruitful personally and professionally. I am so enjoying not having the pressure of needing to perform or having the pressure of needing to and this is a self this was a self-inflicted pressure of the past where i felt like i needed to be everything to everyone and sometimes those thoughts still come into my head but i'm just so grateful that you know there's days now where i go without makeup on my face and i love it or i don't feel any pressure to maintain a social media following or you know there's just there's just certain micro pressures in life that have just completely subsided. I've let go of them and I'm really enjoying that. I'm really enjoying also just being around people I absolutely love. I have lived far away from my family for years and now I'm closer to them and it's so refreshing. It comes with its own set of, you know, whether you live alone or you live with your family or close to your family, there's always going to be certain things that yank your chain a little bit or there's certain things that are just going to feed your soul 
And so right now I'm really, really enjoying being closer to my family because I lived for, oh gosh, how many years ago was that? Seven, eight years ago, I moved out of the house and I've basically, for the most part, I've been away ever since. Of course, I visited my family and all that, but there's there's nothing that really replaces having that close proximity. And what that does, I don't know if it's the same for men. I would guess that it's not the same based upon conversations I've had with several of them. But for a woman, I think that it just, to know that you have a support system, to know that you don't have to carry the load yourself, to know that there's this safety net, even if it's just psychologically, that there are people near you that you love and that love you and that you can call upon and they can call upon you. There's a sense of community in that. It's it's just really, really wonderful. And I know personally I flourish in having my family near and having a community near. So all that to say, this is something that I am really enjoying about the season. I'm also, you know, there's so many things. There's this this practice that I do every single day or habit, as some people would say, where at the end of every day, I think of one or two things that I'm super grateful for. And I say them out loud to myself. And it's it's changed my perspective completely on each day. And with our human nature, we often tend to lean more towards the negative things of life. But as I started doing this habit, it changed my entire perspective. So it could be the most simple of things from, I was so grateful to go for a walk and to enjoy the sun on my face. I know what it's like to not have sun for months and to just enjoy having fresh air all the way to, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that I have a job and it's hard. It is, it's taxing on my brain, but I'm so grateful that today I got a promotion or that today I completed every task on my list. Like just, just little things I'm just so grateful for. So in this season of life, I'm really grateful to have a job that combines all the things that I'm really passionate about into one and challenges me. I love a good challenge. I love being able to have something that I can grow, that I can develop, that I can pour creative energy into. And so I'm really grateful for this job that I have, which maybe one day I'll talk more about. But for now, I'll leave it at that. Next question. What's happening with the WHO or the World Health Organization pandemic treaty? Well, for right now, it is still under deliberation. And the final vote is going to come in May of this year. But there's a lot of controversy around this, especially because so many nations have caught on to what the WHO is trying to do. And what many people don't know is that the pandemic treaty was actually spearheaded and inspired by and pushed by the Biden administration at the United Nations. And so this is this is a very controversial treaty. Many nations have already signaled that A, they will not be signing on to it and or B, that they will issue reservations to it, meaning that they opt out of specific sections of the treaty itself. The head of the WHO, Tedros, as well as the head of the United Nations itself, Guterres, they both came out saying that if there is not complete consensus, absolute consensus amongst all member nations, so all the nations that are present at the UN, if they don't all agree to sign on to this, then it will fail. So at this point, this current juncture of time, it's probably going to fail. Thank God. The one thing that we have to, to pay a lot of attention to outside of the pandemic treaty is another document that is working in tandem with it, that they, they being the United Nations and 
those who fund it have been trying to push, and that's called the International Health Regulations, or the IHR. And I did a whole entire podcast on this before, so you can go back and find it and read more about or listen to more about that. But that's something that is potentially going to move the World Health Organization away from just being a, uh, an advisory body to a regulatory body. So that's something to pay attention to outside of just the pandemic treaty, but the treaty itself is failing and it's quite beautiful to see. It makes me very happy because it's just another global level, not just a national global level of overreach, political overreach, bureaucratic overreach, and it's a threat to every single nation that seeks to, to sign on to it. So let's pray that it continues to fail epically. Moving right along. Next question. If I want to start learning about psychology, where should I begin? Ooh, I love, I love psychology. I love learning about the brain, how it ticks, how it works from hormone regulation all the way to body language uh, and how and why people do what they do. So I would say as a Christian, I would say look for those in the mental health space that deal with the brain. Um, Two people that I would point you to, one is Dr. Caroline Leaf. I'll put the link to her podcast down below. She has a a lot of really good information that's very practical information, but she also has a lot of writing that is more clinical. I really enjoy both the more practical and the clinical research that she does and how she presents things. It's really, really nice to see and it's really good to glean from, as well as what is that I'm going to pull it up on my phone right now. What is that? And I have so many tabs open on my phone. I have to go back and find it. But I know her name is Dr. Sam. I believe it's called Mental Wealth. Let me just type this in. Mental Wealth. Yes. Okay, so my dear friend, Dr. Sam, is incredible. She is a doctor in the mental health space, She, but she approaches everything from a Christian perspective. And I'm actually going to have her on the podcast very soon. So stay tuned for that interview. Very happy that she agreed to it. But her Instagram is called Mental Wealth Conversations. So I'd also plug into her. And there's a couple other people that I would recommend, but I'll leave it at two for now. But honestly, just start reading clinical papers. And if you want, it depends on what area of psychology that you want to study but also start reading clinical papers. And so many people think that clinical papers are so far out of reach of understanding for us as the average Joe and Jane that uh, we just don't touch them. I think we actually need to delve into these things. And I personally, for let's for example, I use legal papers a lot. I read so many of them. And as I continually read them, I started to understand the jargon, the the way that language is used by lawyers and attorneys and and judges and that fed right into public policy for me which was my predominant area and so now it's like oh i can i i can write contracts i can write ndas and it's no issue because I, I understand the jargon so expose yourself to clinical papers even if it's a struggle at first just keep reading through look up words Seek to understand because as you do that, you'll start to understand the sphere or the realm of psychology and and mental wellness. And then you'll be able to read and find more people to plug into and more information and research to dig up. So that's my advice. Next question. How did you handle going from high school into government, like mentally and emotionally? (laughs) I like this question. Um... Not many people ask this one. People are always just like, oh, that's so cool. You went from high school to government. 
And that's where the conversation ends. But there was a mental and emotional struggle at first. I cannot deny that. It was, how old was I? I had just turned 20. I started at my member of parliament's office. I had just come out of high school and I graduated a little bit later than originally intended because as I've talked about on this podcast, got kicked out of my Christian school for standing up for my faith. That delayed my graduation, started homeschooling, made me into a homeschool advocate. And then I went straight on to political campaigns and then into government. So went from high school into government very quickly and knew nothing about government <laughs> literally nothing and it was baptism by fire and it was like drinking out of a water hose but it was it was so intense that it was enjoyable but there were always this mental conversation that I was having with myself of I'm not good enough I'm not able I don't understand what these people are talking about why am I here am I supposed to be here I don't I don't know my place here (laughs) so many questions and then on top of that it's like public policy. How do I deal with this? And so I just, I honestly, mentally and emotionally, I just had to turn off the doubt and deal with it. I had to sometimes turn off the doubting thoughts and speak over my situation that, no, God opened this door. There's a reason I am here. I, the Lord has something much bigger in store for me than just where I'm at right now on Parliament Hill. And he did. And I folded right into that realm and gave myself time and grace to learn and to develop and grow in that sphere, and I did. And could I have learned more? Absolutely. Could I have dealt with the mental battles and struggles better than I did? 100%. But you have to give yourself grace for where you're at when you're in transition or you're going into a field that you don't completely understand or understand at all in my case. But if you really do give yourself that grace and you allow the Lord to lead you and and be led by his spirit, then you're going to do well. And I did very well. And I thank God for that. Like it's only because of him that I survived, both internally survived and ended up thriving as well as externally surviving and thriving because politics and government are cutthroat. They are so full of deception and backstabbing and so many negative things but also there's so much personal growth that when I started I think mentally seeing how I was developing emotionally my mental fortitude was developing how I was starting to prioritize specific things in my life I was like oh my professional life is actually bearing fruit in my personal life and I was so grateful for that so I think handling my mental and emotional development and seeing that that fruit and knowing that there was more to develop in me through my profession, I was like, oh, this is good. So it took a little bit of time to get there, but I think that's how, how did I handle going from high school to government? I think just seeing that there was the potential for more personal growth and development made it all worth the while. Okay, next question. Red flags and a partner. That is a to-the-point question. Red flags and a partner. If you don't have the same morals and values major red flag. In dating, you are seeking to discover if you can do life with this person, if you like enjoying being with them. It's not all about the lovey-dovey, gushy feelings. Those feelings will not sustain you throughout the rest of your life. They certainly do help, but if you do not have the same morals and values, if you don't have the same trajectory or vision for your life, 
then you will clash. One partner will oftentimes be more prone to bitterness or resentment towards the other partner. And that shuts down a part of not just the relationship, but each individual. Because one individual or one partner will close himself off in a way that will actually harm the relationship. So major red flags, morals and values don't align. Vision for life together doesn't align. And I would say if there's not a, a mutual respect for the other, that is, that's big. That is really, really big. Everybody's going to have their own markers for what is, what are red flags and what they will and will not tolerate in a relationship. So you have to do your own internal analyzation of what your morals, your values, your standards are, what your convictions are, and write a, maybe write a little list for yourself. What are my non-negotiables? And those end up becoming your red flags. So that's what I would say. Next question, country or city? Um, country. <laughs> I've lived in a lot of big cities. I've lived in Ottawa, which is Canada's capital when I was walking on the hill. Gosh, where else? I've, I've visited so many times in New York City. I lived in Washington, D.C., lived in Pittsburgh. I've traveled to big cities in Texas and all, honestly, all throughout the States. I've just, I've been around. So I would definitely say country because I love the wide open space. I love the freedom of that elevated degree of privacy, to be honest. I love privacy and being in the city, I just, there's so many cameras now and one of my friends is like, what do you have to hide, Matea? I was like, I have nothing to hide. I just don't want people in my business. So yeah, country all the way. I actually was blessed to live out in, in Florida for a period of time, out in more so the countryside. And I loved, loved waking up and seeing animals, like going for a walk down the road and there was cows and horses. And I just, I loved the simplicity of the mindset that comes even, like the mental clarity that comes with being out in the country. It is so wonderful. So country over city every day. Question, what is significant in politics in 2024? Um, everything? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, the media is going to tell you to focus on just immigration. And I had said in a previous podcast that 2024 is going to be the year of immigration. And it's already proven to be the year of immigration. There are a lot of border issues <laughs> that are starting to be strengthened under current administrations. But I believe that is because so many countries are going into elections this year. Over 50 nations globally are headed into elections in 2024. That is huge. There is going to be a global shift in governance across nations. And so, and in many of those nations, it's going to swing towards the center or right of center governments away from more leftist, socialist, or even some of the more centrist governments that have been in charge of nations up until this point. So that is something that every single person should be watching for in their own nation are elections. And yes, American elections impact the world. I understand this, but we need to start focusing on our own nations, what is happening internally, instead of just fixating on America. Because America, whilst she does impact the world, nations glean from her and look in on her because of her status in the world as a global superpower. We, we need to understand the citizens of nations that it's not just about America anymore. We have BRICS coming up. For anybody who doesn't know, BRICS is B-R-I-C-S, which is a culmination of nations who are trying to overthrow the U.S. dollar. <laughs> 
and replace United States as the as a superpower of the world, which actually the WEF back in 2016 says was said was going to happen in their eight predictions leading up to 2030 video, which most of them are actually happening. I should actually cover that at some point. We might do that. But this is something that we should uh, pay attention to in our own nations, our elections, because global politics, geopolitics are all affected by this and it is something that impacts us on a daily basis. All right, next question. How do I find my purpose? Oh, I know who asked this question. She's a really young girl. Oh, I love you. Okay, how do I find my purpose? Very simple. I'm not gonna give some long theological answer to you. Just like a car manufacturer. Let's use, I don't know, everybody has a beef against some vehicle. Let's say Audi. Let's just go with Audi. If you are going to own an Audi and there is something wrong with the transmission, are you going to look at a Ford manual to understand your Audi? No, you can't. You'll be given advice that does not apply to your vehicle because your Audi is not manufactured by Ford. You have to go to the creator of that vehicle in order to understand it. Same thing applies to you and me. To find our purpose, we have to go to our creator, to God, have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And from that, you start to learn about who God is, who you are to God, and what your mission is in life. And finding your purpose doesn't come from taking a year, a gap year in between high school and college and traveling the world to find yourself, whatever, find yourself. I really despise that lingo of finding yourself, but if you want to find yourself, you're going to only be able to do that in the word of God. Having that quality time spent with Jesus, asking him questions, asking him to reveal things through the Bible, through the scripture about you, about who he is, who he's created you to be. And as you do that, you start to see yourself differently. You start to see the world differently. Ask the Lord, honestly, like I remember being very young and asking the Lord to show me what are my giftings? What are the, the talents that you've placed in me? What do I have in and of myself that, that you want to get out into this world? And then start to understand yourself better. What, what are my passions in life? Like, what am I really passionate about? And removing any kind of distraction passions. But what are you actually passionate about? For myself, I know that I've always been passionate about the home. Always been passionate about children. Always been passionate about others. Loving others well. Serving people well. And impacting my generation through my home and the home that I seek to establish one day. I am passionate about those things. I have been passionate about politics, and I know one day understanding regulations with regards to homeschooling or, or understanding how the political system works may come in handy, and I will most likely always be passionate in some capacity about politics because it impacts people's lives, and corruption impacts people's lives. And if I love people like I do deeply, I want to make sure that I take care of them and I warn people about what's coming. And so understanding politics and having a Christian perspective on it and bringing that to the forefront, I, I believe I will always have a passion about that. But it will be expressed in different ways. When I have children, I'm going to teach them about the corruption of the government, but also I'm going to teach them that God ordained government as a delegated authority. So my passion for politics has already started to shift, but there's always an avenue for it to be expressed in a productive way. So I know other people who God has given them this incredible gift of creativity that is completely different to my gift of creativity. They are able to play music and be worship leaders and they're able to make a good living at it 
but it's because they're in that flow, that will of God for their life. And it's because they discovered it by having that intimate relationship with Jesus. So go back to your creator and establish that relationship if you haven't already and read his words to you. The Bible is God's word to you. I know who the young girl is that asked this question. And for any young person out there, if you if you are like, I, I can't hear the voice of God. I can't hear the voice of God. Or how do I hear the voice of God? All you need to do is go and read his word because every single scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so that is God's words to you. Do your due diligence in being consistent in your relationship with Jesus. Read the Bible and seek wisdom on your life from a young age. You don't have to wait until you're old. You don't have to wait until you're in high school or you're in college or you're in your career. If you can start that as a young person, that journey of faith, you will be set up far beyond your peers, well into your 20s, your 30s, and flourishing all along the way. All right, next question. What do you use for healthy hormones? I love this question. I have been doing a lot of things, actually. I've been shifting and changing things up quite a bit recently. But as of right now, I have been increasing my estrogen and progesterone while trying to even out and maintain a steady level for my cortisol. Living in that hustle and the intensity of life for so long, my, my hormones were so out of whack on top of a really bad diet that uh, I'm very embarrassed of, so I won't talk about it. But too much coffee, poor nutrition, and over-exercising, as well as like very intense stress in life on a consistent basis. So right now, I am utilizing um, an incredible Christian company that produces really, really good products that are super clean. My mom actually got me onto them and they're called Rocasa. I'll put a link to them down below. And I've been using their, they have a natural oil-based hormone kit. And when I say natural, oil-based, clean, um, not everything that is labeled as organic or natural, clean, not processed, uh, cold pressed, all these different terms that people use, not everything is actually that. So Rocasa, very pure, clean brand to use. So you put natural oils on your wrists and on your abdomen. I do it morning and night, except when I am in a specific portion of my cycle, I stop for a week and then I pick it up again. I also chart my cycle and I think this is so incredibly important. It's not a product I use for healthy hormones, but it is a way to understand your body, and this is for women in particular. If you are married, men, seek to understand your lady cycle because it will provide an insight into her and into how she's feeling and maneuvering throughout the world, and it'll bring you two closer, guaranteed. But I track my cycle very, I was gonna say religiously, but maybe not so much anymore. I tracked it so religiously to understand it and understand how I was feeling and how I was reacting, all these different things, how my mood was, how I ate, my eating patterns, what I needed, what I didn't need in terms of nutrition and sleep that now I don't necessarily have to religiously track it anymore. But I would say women for healthy hormones, track your cycle. If you need to increase your estrogen, progesterone, or decrease your cortisol levels, you might have to change your nutrition. I personally just read clinical studies. I talked with my mom, who has a wealth of information. I I just did research, really, to understand what I needed or didn't need, and went from there. 
It's pretty simple. And honestly, the one thing, regardless of where you are in the world, for men and women, to have healthy hormones, you need to drink good water and lots of it. And get good sleep, keep that stress under control. All right, two more questions. Does the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and the United Nations work together? 100%, yes, they do. There is documentation online that you can literally Google World Economic Forum collaboration with the United Nations, it will pop up. On multiple occasions, the WEF and UN have come together on specific issues. The WEF is more geared towards impacting industry and the financial sector, whereas the United Nations is more so the social and political or policy wonk area. Uh, I don't know how else to explain it in very simple terms. So them coming together in collaboration just makes sense because they are very much so on the same page when it comes to anything and everything having to do with trying to change the world <laughs> in a very bad way. All right, what big public victory are you most proud about? To be honest, I view public victories as the result of the smaller battles that have had to been fought and won. And for me, the private battles, those even the small ones, those are achievements that only by the grace of God could I have conquered. And it's not me who accomplishes or conquers those things. It's, it is the spirit of God who helps me to maneuver things and to deal with things. And, you know, I've, I've often asked the Lord uh, that scripture, what King David asked of the Lord. And that is this, search in me, O God. Alrighty, final question. What big public victory are you most proud of? Honestly, I have had a lot of big public victories, but... They aren't attached to my name. I've I've advised people. I've seen incredible things come out of that that out of those advising sessions. But it's not me. So and when I say it's not me, it's it's the Lord using me. And I I know of my deficiencies. I know of my weaknesses. I know of how ill-equipped I guess is the right way of putting it in my own flesh I am of giving wisdom. Any wisdom that I have has truly come from God and sometimes I'm, I'm just I really am in amazement that he would use someone like me who is flawed but there's a scripture in the word that talks about seek and you shall find knock and the, and the door will be open to you. Yes if you if you want wisdom ask for it and so from I remember 10 years of age asking the Lord for wisdom. Help me, God, to be wise so that as people see my life, they see you, not me. And that as I grow in wisdom, as I help people in life, that they would be people who don't know you, people who are far away from you. And as you help them through me, as I'm used as your vessel, that they would be pointed to you. Again, that scripture, as you look to and fro throughout the earth for one willing vessel, I will be that vessel to be used, God, no matter the cost. And it's come at a cost, but the cost has been so minimal to seeing how God has used my life. And that, geez, I'm not gonna cry. To see how God can use a life and help you to conquer those those small battles, the flaws that need to be need to be worked out of you. And when you're in submission to him, those things that aren't in alignment with his will for your life or the things that you know that need refinement and need to be laid down at his feet, he will even use those things, the flaws and all for his glory. And so I don't see the public 
victories as the big hoorah that everybody else does. Those are just the results of spending time with God and being yielded to being used. And I can't take the credit for anything, really. I can't. It's not me. It's God using me, working through me. And to even get a question where it's like the big victories. It just, I think right now it's just hitting me that God can use any of us to achieve big things and not to limit ourselves. That that scripture in Psalms where Psalm 139, 138-139, where King David says to the Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. That has been my heart's cry for years. When I go to the Lord, I'm asking him. And that's where those those mini or smaller battles internally and even externally are dealt with. Because he will, if you are filled with the spirit of God, he will tell you, he will show you things that need to change, those small course corrections. And as you change and, and as you're pruned, really, the dead weight is released, you become a completely different person. And you're able to be that light and the salt in a generation that that generation needs. Because it's not a coincidence that any of us is alive at this point in time in the world. So, didn't know I was going to get into all that with the last question, but there you go. I have thoroughly enjoyed this, you guys. I I love answering questions. I love hearing what's on your guys' hearts. I love it. You are incredible people. And I am honored and so blessed to be able to do this podcast and to interact with each one of you. It you, you enrich my life, so thank you for, for joining me on this episode. The Good News Report is coming out this Thursday, yet again, 4 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much to all of you donating. It is, I know I say it every episode now, but overwhelming to have your support. It means so much to me. You're incredible people. With that, if you would like to stay connected over on Instagram, you can plug in there at the Matea Murda Podcast. You can also... Fund the mission over on Cash App and PayPal at Matea Murda. And until next time, I love you. God loves you. Take care.